0: It's Christy. Before we get into our typical opening, I want to let you know of an exciting opportunity that has arisen. I have the honor of leading a retreat in support of Heartwood Refuge and Retreat Center. Um, The retreat will be online and it is entitled Meet the Manager Overcoming Delusions of Racism. It is being offered for self identified white women. So if you are a self identified white woman, or you have loved ones who are that would like to do this important work of uprooting racism, send them to heartwoodrefuge.org to look at details about the retreat. I also want to mention here that um, this retreat is eligible for um, uh, Hemera Fellowship funds. And so I'm going to, there are, a number of categories of eligible people um, if you're 18 or older um, and I'll, I'll just give you a quick rundown here because I don't want you to assume that you cannot afford this retreat. You may be eligible for a scholarship. So examples of eligible fellows would be educators pre-k through college and that includes master of education students, school administrators and staff, healthcare professionals of all sorts, Artists, full time visual, performance writers, multi disciplinary artists, first responders, uh, military or other folks, public defenders, legal aid attorneys, victim advocates, um, employees working for any 501c3 nonprofit or private foundation, employees working in direct human services, government or private. So this is a quite an opportunity. And I would ask you to please consider joining me and taking advantage of this opportunity. This will be a retreat in which there'll be plenty of practice time away from the screen. So you'll get to... um, enjoy some of this work not sitting in front of a screen, but then we also will be together online for a good bit of the time so that you have enough support for this deep work, um, enough uh, support from me, enough support from peers, and this will be a low judgment, high discernment zone. So go to heartwoodrefuge.org. Go to the Retreats page and scroll down to Meet the Manager, Overcoming Delusions of Racism. Hi, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to Episode 57 of the Deep South Dharma Podcast to be released Sunday, June 28, 2020. Our topic this week is a continuation of our series on the eightfold path. We're looking at the the branch of the eightfold path that has to do with sila with ethics and morality. That branch includes wise speech, wise action, wise livelihood, and rather than go through a recitation of all of those that that are so well discussed elsewhere and that also exist in earlier episodes of this podcast, I want to um, utilize this as a Sutta study. We're looking at the Majjhima Nikaya 78. um, And the subtitle is Picasso's Dharma because at the time that I was, that I came into contact for the first time with that particular Sutta, It happened to coincide with uh, my running into certain sayings of Picasso's that I felt were uh, very dharmic in nature and and definitely um, connected to this sutta for me. So we'll use that as our study of um, wise action as a whole. Announcements for right now. Uh, the only things are repetition join us on wednesday for midweek meditation join us saturday morning for the oxford practice group which is still happening online those links can be found at deepsouthdharma.org and you are welcome to join us anytime and then take a look at heartwoodrefuge.org for uh, the upcoming bhikkhu bodhi retreat that i will be attending as a participant If you want to join me there, and then also take a look at the retreat I have scheduled there, September 17th through 20th, Devotion to the Deathless. And for now, we will shift to our own study of this week's topic, Picasso's Dharma. I ran across certain sayings of the artist Picasso some time back and it happened, my running into that happened to coincide with a study of the Samana Mandika Sutta, which is the 78th Sutta of the Majjhima Nikaya. So I'm going to begin with just an excerpt of, of this to introduce our topic The carpenter Panchakanga went to the wanderer Yugahamana and exchanged greeting with him When courteous and amiable talk was finished he sat down at one side The wanderer then said to him Carpenter when a man possesses four qualities I describe him as accomplished in what is wholesome perfected in what is wholesome an ascetic invincible, attained to the supreme attainment. What are the four? Here he does no evil bodily actions, he utters no evil speech, he has no evil intention, and he does not make his living by any evil livelihood. Then the carpenter Panchakanga neither approved nor disapproved of the wanderer's words. Without doing either, he arose from his seat and went away, thinking, I shall learn the meaning of this statement from the Blessed One. Then he went to the Blessed One, referring to the Buddha, and after paying homage to him, sat down at one side and reported and reported to the Blessed One his entire conversation with the wanderer, Uga Thereupon the Blessed One said, If this were so, carpenter, then a young tender infant lying prone is accomplished in what is wholesome, perfected in what is wholesome, an ascetic, invincible, attained to the supreme attainment, according to the wanderer's statement. For a young tender infant lying prone does not even have the notion of body, so how should he do an evil bodily action beyond mere wriggling? A young tender infant lying prone does not even have the notion of speech, so how should he utter evil speech beyond mere whining? A young, tender infant lying prone does not even have the notion intention, so how should he have evil intention beyond mere sulking? A young, tender infant lying prone does not even have the notion livelihood, so how should he make his living by evil livelihood beyond being suckled at his mother's breast? If that were so, then a young, tender infant lying prone is accomplished in what is wholesome, according to the wanderer Yogan Hamana's statement. When a man possesses four qualities, carpenter, I describe him not as accomplished in what is wholesome or perfected in that, in, in what is wholesome. Excuse me, let me start that again. When a man possesses four qualities, carpenter, I describe him not as accomplished in what is wholesome or perfected in what is wholesome or neither an ascetic invincible attained to the supreme attainment, but as one who stands in the same category as the young tender infant lying prone. When a man possesses ten qualities, carpenter, I describe him as accomplished in what is wholesome, perfected in what is wholesome, an ascetic invincible attained to the supreme attainment. And then he says, but first of all, and he gives a long parenthetic preface to his statement of these 10 qualities that I will invite you to study. If you if you Google up MN Sutta 78, you can pull up the whole thing. If you happen to be driving while listening to this episode, you would run off the road. If I <laughs> tried to read this, it's very repetitive. So we'll cut to the chase. The Buddha said, Now Carpenter, when a man possesses what ten qualities do I describe him as accomplished? Here, Abhiko possesses the right view of one beyond training, the right intention of one beyond training, the right speech of one beyond training, the right action of one beyond training, the right livelihood of one beyond training, the right effort of one beyond training, the right mindfulness of one beyond training, the right concentration of one beyond training, the right knowledge of one beyond training, and the right deliverance of one beyond training. When a man possesses these ten qualities, I describe him as accomplished in what is wholesome, perfected in what is wholesome, an ascetic invincible attained to the supreme attainment. That is what the Blessed One said. The carpenter, Panchakanga, was satisfied and delighted in the Blessed One's words. So, one way of understanding a summary of this teaching comes from Bhikkhu Tenisro, who says, The highest attainment is not simply the abandoning of unskillful actions, and a reversion to childlike harmlessness, it requires first developing skillful habits and then letting them go. So what in the world could he possibly mean by that? I'm reminded of, you know, years ago for many, many weeks on the bestseller list, there was a book by M. Scott Peck called The Road Less Traveled. I read it right after college graduation as soon as I... As soon as I remembered that it was summertime, I had graduated from college, and I was free to read just strictly because I was interested. And that was the first thing I got my hands on. And in that book, M. Scott Peck, of course, in that book speaks from a psychological perspective, even though his his focus, his interest was psycho-spiritual. But his focus uh, with regard to this was the idea of, that we develop ego structures to function in the world and our spiritual growth is about knowing when to let those go. Right. So when we talk about developing skillful habits and then letting them go, we wanna talk about developing skillful habits for what reasons? And then what motivates us to let them go? So we're gonna play with these questions and at times, I will use the words of Picasso that I had run across at the time that I encountered first encountered the sutta. So what are our reasons for developing skillful habits? You know, when we first come into dharma practice, or we first come in just a mindfulness practice or a meditation practice, usually our initial reasons are to reduce our suffering in some way. Um, We, we first are seeking relief very often. Um, Sometimes we are beginning from a place of needing to stop causing harm, but sometimes we just want relief and it's, it takes a bit of practice to realize, oh, if this practice is going to be beneficial to me, I have to stop causing harm um, so that I can stand to sit with myself long enough to experience the benefit of practice, of meditation practice. And then our interest continues to grow, and we begin developing skillful habits not only to reduce suffering, not only to cause no harm or less harm, but to cultivate an awareness of the truth and the kind of heart that uh, the, the truth that brings happiness that leads to freedom, and to cultivate the type of heart that is capable of enjoying that freedom. And really, what this boils down to is in the beginning we we want to sort of master the game of samsara that's what very often what we're trying to do in the beginning of our practice Um, and i'll as we go further along i'll I'll develop this more fully Um, but we are starting out with the idea that you know that we're going to sort of of Win at this game of samsara. This game in which everyone, all human beings, can experience the ten thousand joys and ten thousand sorrows that come um, with being in this condition, samsaric revolving door of feelings, experiences, being up, being down, having pleasant conditions, having miserable conditions, and we we have this idea that well, we you know we want to live with the most peace and joy and creativity and all of that 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 is possible. And it's not that that is wrong. it is just that it is maybe a bit naive. All right, so this is where we come to the quote I went looking for um, or that I had run across, and then I found it again. Um, First, I want to mention that Picasso said, learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. So maybe at first our goal is to become a pro, to manage living in samsara. Um, and when we gain mastery in anything, we know when it's time to break the rules, right? So this is true in art and in music, even in, in my work as a therapist. Um You know, we might um, see that if we don't break the rules, um, that, well, if there's a need to break the rules, we're aware that we're not breaking them in a way that an impatient child might break them. We don't break rules due to passion or selfishness or a lack of skill or laziness or ignorance. We break rules when following the rules would hinder the benefit that we're trying to confer, whether it's if, if if following the rules would hinder the muse or the art or the therapeutic benefit of what we're doing um, from serving its purpose, then we skillfully will break a rule. Picasso also said, "Every positive value." has its price in negative terms. The genius of Einstein leads to Hiroshima. So this, I find, leads me back to that second question. If breaking rules is sometimes the best use of skill for playing the game of samsara, abandoning the cultivated skills is motivated by the realization that the game is rigged. So there comes a point that trying to get really good at managing what we consider to be success in our lifetimes is not enough right and we really are seeing that right now when we are so um we are so under the thumb of 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 the development of a virus that because of, of human greed, hatred, delusion has been allowed to s- spread just exponentially and continues to do so. And at some point, we're going to realize that all of our skill, all of our ego, all of our um, managing things is, is not where it's at, right? It doesn't matter whether you have an advanced degree when it comes to getting a virus. It doesn't matter if you are married or divorced or have never been married when it comes to getting a virus. There's all sorts of things that we tend to measure our success in life uh, or tend to measure ourselves with, right? And we consider ourselves a success based on the amount of time that we can get life to go our way. So, you know, if our children happen to be happy and well, we feel pretty successful at that. If they happen to be struggling or hurting in some way, we lose that feeling of success if our focus is on ourselves. So we start recognizing that this idea of measuring ourselves in samsaric terms, in terms of trying to win more than losing, trying to experience pleasure more than displeasure, trying to experience fame rather than shame, trying to experience praise rather than blame, all those things that we're trying to manage and control when we come up against matters of life and death, and I just, I just use the, the virus as, as one, one example of that, just because it's so rampant right now. But when it comes to matters of life and death, then we realize all of this, all of this skill that we've cultivated for getting really good at living here maybe doesn't lead us to feel ready to leave here and to be free of the clinging that would keep us trapped on this wheel of repetition. So again, I say, if breaking the rules is sometimes the best use of skill for playing the game, abandoning even our very well-cultivated skills is motivated by the realization that the game is rigged. So what do I mean that this game of samsara is rigged? We mean that even when we think we are winning, we continue to be stuck on the wheel. Now, I'll mention briefly whether you, depending on your degree of practice experience or what you've seen or not seen or what you resonate with or haven't resonated with, um, samsara is understood by some to be a description of various realms of states of mind. Others experience the realization of the repetition of samsara, samsaric existence with its various heavenly realms and hell realms and the idea that our human realm is sort of the ideal place to practice, the ideal place to develop a spiritual practice because we have enough Discomfort to prod us forward to look for a solution. And we have enough comfort, many of us have enough comfort um, so that we can practice. And whether you relate that to that literally or as states of mind, you know, you think about times in your life where you were just ecstatic because something was going your way for a little while you may not have felt very motivated to develop yourself spiritually or in times in your life where you know you you had you were so you were just hanging on by a thread emotionally that that wasn't going to be the time that you could practice well either so so whether you experience samsara as the literal repetition of Rebirths as this stream of consciousness you've inherited continues to play out through the eons, or whether it you experience it as the continual change of states of mind, I think this applies. You can apply this, right? We continue to be stuck on the wheel, and so we master certain skills in this realm. And we find that the result of that is a whole other life in a more refined realm. That result is sort of like an echo. It follows our actions, but eventually dies out. And the game is also rigged because in the more comfortable realms, we are not as motivated to practice and to keep working to quit playing the game. We get trapped in the game because we're not motivated to practice in the hell realms of existence. If we don't cultivate skillfulness at all, there's very little opportunity to practice or to take action that the echoes that reverberate in happier realms. So we've talked before in this podcast, or if you've been with me in groups, we've talked before about how ideal this earthly realm is for our practice but once we understand that this game is rigged that samsara's wheel is always turned towards suffering right so really in a way we could say we lose when we lose but we also lose when we win when we win in worldly terms when we win thinking oh this is great i'm going to be fine now i feel great um if we get caught up in that and identify with that and think that that temporary state you know is that we have found safe landing permanently, we're not going to be motivated to keep going. So that's why we say samsara's wheel is always turned towards suffering. Right. But once we see through that, we become motivated to quote unquote win truly in the only way possible. And that is by exiting the game. And this realm is the ideal point of exiting the game because of, of this opportunity to access the Dharma, because of this opportunity to see and feel and experience the suffering that, that is made up of samsara. We also can come to know um, and understand and see through our attachment to pleasant experiences. We begin to see that this game runs on the fuel of craving. If we begin to see through the false sense of self that both craves and seeks to satisfy craving, we notice when even wholesome skills are tainted with samsaric craving, and we can begin to let them go. So even if we become very attached to the idea of, oh, I am this person who knows how to do these things or knows how to be this way, well, then when some situation comes along where you find yourself unable to do that, then you'll crash in this hell realm of feeling less than again. So, what we're looking for is to be set free of delusions of self. And this is where we come to another quote of Picasso's. I wanted to share with you. He is quoted to have said, the meaning of life is to find your gift. The purpose of life is to give it away. So I propose that giving it away applies both to the gifts we want to share. um, And the, even when the sharing would be a, a compassionate act. and giving a, it away might be letting go of it all altogether, right? Our actions do have consequences. and no matter how impressive our actions, we have to accept the fact that in this world, we are in control of volitional actions but not always control of what happens we get the results of our actions but we're not in control absolute control of what happens in the big picture but if our focus is on developing our skills so that we can be of service then we are less we are less tortured really by the constant rating of ourselves based on so-called worldly measures of success. Fine. I want to share one more thing that, that Picasso is said to have said, that the urge to destroy is also a creative act. So what I want to suggest is that when you see through the game, it's natural to want to put an end to it, to just the pointless going around in circles. So in any place in your life where you keep finding yourself taking rebirth, right? Here I am again in the same situation. You know, it's 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 the same old relationship over and over again. Maybe a different face and a different name, but it's the same <laughs> the same patterns the same misery or uh, the same old arguments with loved ones that whatever it is when you when you see that the game is is fixed that even when you win you might win an argument and damage the relationship for instance then you have that desire to end the game not by violence that just keeps the whole wheel turning but you want to in the game by relinquishing the game, right? By abiding in no particular effort to arrive at a certain station in life or to become something or to not become something. You just want to let go of that and be with the actions that are useful unless and until you become a person who is beyond training, Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle. And just a reminder that if you self-identify as a white woman or you have loved ones who do, take a look at heartwoodrefuge.org and at the retreat page, at the upcoming retreat, meet the manager, and also click through to take a look at scholarship eligibility to see if you might be able to do this retreat as a Himera Fellow.